Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It is Wednesday, August 25, and in this briefing, the new rule infuriating Aussies stuck overseas. We put your questions to the Home Affairs Minister. The purpose behind this is to get more of a level playing field for Australians who live in Australia and Australians who live overseas, so that they're subject to the same criteria. We'll see what you make of her answers. That is Karen Andrews. We'll interview her about the tens of thousands of Australians trying to get home. But right now in this first half of the briefing, we'll bring you the big headlines of the day with Katrina Blowers. Hey, Katrina, how's Brisbane? Hey. Are you guys enjoying every ounce of that freedom? Oh, gosh. I feel I feel bad even saying this because it's getting warm. <laughs> We're out and about. We can go to cafes and bars. Yeah. And, and who knows when this could end. So we're all just making the most of it. Yeah, you're living like it's your, your last days. <laughs> Yeah, it is a little bit. I'm not going to say too hedonistic because, you know, of course we're COVID safe, but yeah, we're certainly having fun while we can. Go for it, I say. Well, the Paralympics kicked off last night with the opening ceremony and similarly to the Tokyo Olympics, the Japanese emperor opened the Games with a pretty amazing opening, tons of fireworks under the theme, We Have Wings. Yeah, Australia gets started in the sport this morning with the men's and women's 400 metres freestyle swimming, uh, women's cycling, mixed wheelchair basketball and men's wheelchair rugby. Yeah, so if you missed yesterday's episode with Paralympic canoeist Curtis McGrath, it is an amazing mm. story to check out. But it's funny, there's a, um, a video uh, that I've been watching. It is so beautifully done. I encourage you to get on and YouTube it if you can. It's called We The 15. It's all about using words like amazing and inspiring when talking about people with disabilities. You are superheroes. Really? Yeah, we're superheroes, all right. Forgetting the kids at the door on time. We push strollers. We break phones. People call us special. But there's nothing special about us. And only when you see us. Wonderfully ordinary. Wonderfully human. Only then can we all break down these barriers that that keep us apart. Yeah, it's a great campaign. Draws focus on the fact that 15% of the world's population have different abilities. Yeah, that's 1.2 billion people and they Mm. just want disability normalised and to um, bring it into that inclusivity conversation which they say has been lacking up until now. So this is a great opportunity to, to have those difficult chats. And the Taliban is vowing retribution if Western countries stay in Afghanistan past the deadline of next Tuesday. It says it wants all foreign evacuations to be wrapped up when US troops withdraw from the country. That's happening on the 31st of August and they've declared there will be no extension. A spokesperson for the Taliban, Zabihullah Majahid, told a news conference overnight the Taliban doesn't want any more Afghans leaving. We would like to ask the Americans, call on the Americans to not encourage the Afghan people. Our doctors, engineers, our educated elite, we need those people in the country. We do not want them out of the country to work in their institutions. Yeah, so he said the crowds at Kabul airport hoping to board a flight out had absolutely nothing to fear and should now go home. The leaders of the G7, Britain, Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan and the US met overnight to discuss the crisis. British PM Boris Johnson tried to convince the US President Joe Biden to extend the deadline past August 31. Uh, That appears to have been unsuccessful. So it's going to be a very closely watched few days there in Afghanistan. 
Sydney's Westmead Hospital, which is at the heart of Sydney's outbreak, has been forced into what's called COVID crisis mode. So that means it will cut the number of COVID-19 cases arriving by ambulance for 24 hours and it will also transfer critical patients to other hospitals. 100 beds will be opened at the nearby Westmead private hospital. So they've had to put a pause on elective surgeries in private hospitals so they can make extra room for COVID cases and that's what's happening at Westmead. Yeah, it comes as I'm imagining so many people in New South Wales are really hanging on to find out what that announcement will be either tomorrow or Friday about those new freedoms that they're hoping to get after hitting the six million jab target yesterday. Dr Chant, myself and the team will look forward to speaking about what you can do in September and October if you're fully vaccinated, the additional thing you can do, but also um, to outline what schools will look like uh, in the next little while as well. So this has been kind of weird, Katrina. It's, mm. it's sort of been coming that we're going to get a treat. It just yeah. it just sounds ridiculous. Like we want real freedoms, not like one thing. And the rumour is it's going to be, wait for it, haircuts. <laughs> How's your hair going? I'm growing a man bun. It's been... <laughs> It's been two months of no haircut. Uh, I'm just, I'm embracing it, going for a new look. Go all in. Go all in. I think this is your new look, Tom Tilly. Uh, Also from today in Victoria, 16 to 39-year-olds are eligible for Pfizer. Mm. I will say, though, in relation to New South Wales, it is awesome, um, the rate of vaccination in our state. So to hit 6 million is actually ahead of the target that Gladys Berejiklian was pushing us towards at the start of the month. So there, there is a bit of a feeling of positivity and almost mm. a transition at the moment as we hit those vaccination targets. The latest NAPLAN figures are out and there's a bit of a pleasant surprise. Even though Aussie kids have spent months homeschooling, their literacy and numeracy skills haven't really suffered across the board. It is good news that many of us need to hear right now in particular. And I think it's a wonderful testimony to the resilience of students, teachers, parents and carers during these challenging times. And I'd like to thank them all because it is their dedication that has gotten them to this point. That's David D. Cavallo. He's the Chief Executive of the Australian Curriculum Assessment Reporting Authority. The preliminary results collected from 1.2 million students across 9,000 schools showed no substantial difference from 2019 levels. That's except for Victorian primary school kids. So they've started drilling down into those finer numbers. They've still got a lot more drilling down to do. But what they've found is Victorian kids who've had over 20 weeks of online learning in the last year compared to seven weeks for New South Wales, those kids in particular who were in grade three the last time the test was done haven't really improved at the same pace now that they've been tested in grade five. So that does show that it has had some impact, particularly in those states that have had more homeschooling. And the original Rolling Stones drummer, Charlie Watts, has died at age 80. His publicist said overnight that Watts passed away peacefully in a London hospital surrounded by his family. Yeah, the statement said Charlie was a cherished husband, father and grandfather and also as a member of the Rolling Stones, one of the greatest drummers of his generation. So it was just a few weeks ago that he announced he wouldn't keep touring with the Stones because of an undefined health issue. But when you really look into that, that means he's been touring right up until his death, which is just (laughs) incredible. So great, so great. And he summed up life on the road in an interview in the late 80s. Charlie, you've been touring with the Rolling Stones for about 25 years now. Do you still enjoy it? It's It's work, isn't it? I mean, I just don't think about it, actually. It's not to. 
probably in dead years ago, I thought about it. You must have done a great deal of hanging around in 25 years with the Stones. Hmm. Work five years and 20 years hanging around. <laughs> Unbelievable. So Charlie Watts always said... Um, well, I'm going to bring our producer in on this one. He's very passionate about this story, yeah. Dan. <laughs> in my view, you put Charlie up there with Ringo. Right. The drummer of a generation, easily. John Bonham? Absolutely. Like, the classic. <laughs> and Keith Moon. He's up there yeah. with, the, with the greatest. And still to be playing like he was until his 80s. The Rolling Stones without Charlie Watts is not Rolling Stones. Right. So, so he's the third original member to die. So it's still Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, the two That's that are right. left. Yeah. Ian Stewart was the original piano player. He died many years ago. And, of course, Brian Jones died when he was 20. So just, what do you think that means, Dan? Do you reckon they'll ever tour again now? They will. They'll continue to tour because Mick and Keith and, and Ronnie still love it so much and they're still one of the biggest businesses in the world in terms of rock and roll. Mm. And there are so many people who rely on them to tour. Yeah. It's such big business. And it's just but, amazing how, how long they've been able to keep it up, especially considering how intoxicated they were <laughs> for many decades. That's the incredible part of the story. Or perhaps it's the secret sauce. <laughs> We're trying to be responsible here, Katrina. <laughs> We're trying. Okay. All right, in a moment, Annika joins us. Katrina will catch you later. Uh, Karen Andrews, the Home Affairs Minister, will be here on The Briefing. So in this briefing, we're going to revisit the issue of Australians stuck overseas with the Home Affairs Minister, Karen Andrews. There are over 35,000 Australians trying to get home and many of them feel abandoned by the Australian government, Annika. Yeah, it was last year in September that the Prime Minister said he wanted to get most, if not all, of those Aussies stranded overseas home by Christmas. So here we are almost a year later and the government not only hasn't got on top of that problem... They've actually tightened up the arrival numbers and the red tape around being able to come and go, making it more difficult to clear that backlog. Yeah, so last week a new rule came into force where Aussies who live overseas who want to come home to visit will then have to apply to get out of the country and back to their lives overseas. And this was an issue that a briefing listener called Jackie wanted us to take up with the government. Hey guys, Jackie here. I'd love if you could look into this new law that's been in place since the 11th of August where Australian citizens who live and work overseas but who come back to Australia for a visit need to apply for a permit to leave the country again. I've got a few friends overseas who were hoping to come back at the end of the year to see friends and family, so particular interest to me and to them. Thanks. All right, so let's pick that up with Karen Andrews. This is her portfolio. She's the Home Affairs Minister. Karen Andrews, thanks so much for joining us. This move angered a lot of Australians overseas. So can you answer those questions? How does this work? Basically, if you're an Australian and you ordinarily live overseas, which means that you don't live in Australia, you spend most of your time living and potentially working overseas, when you return to Australia, you will need an exemption to depart again. That is exactly the same as an Australian citizen 
who lives in Australia. So the purpose behind this is to, I guess, get more of a level playing field for Australians who live in Australia and Australians who live overseas so that they're subject to the same criteria. But importantly, I think if we remember back to a couple of months ago, there were a number of instances being reported of people who were coming in and out multiple times. Now, when they do that, they are clearly taking up places in the quarantine system, and that's actually patently unfair to the Aussies that live here who don't have that ability. So to be able to leave Australia again and return overseas, basically you just need to provide proof that you do live overseas. Now that could be a rental agreement that you have in place, it could be a residency certificate, so it's reasonably straightforward to be able to prove that. So if it was trying to fix the problem of people coming here and then a number of times and then leaving again, don't you want to make it harder? You say that you just have to provide information to prove you live overseas. What's the deterrent if that's all you have to do is provide a utility bill and say, I have a house in London? Well, we will be keeping a close eye on those multiple visits. Now, where there are um, compelling reasons for that, the same as there is for Australians leaving the country, then it's up to the Border Force Commissioner. He may well decide that he will grant that exemption. So we will be monitoring now and collecting the data so that we know exactly what is going on. But basically, I'm really at the point of saying, if you live in Australia and you're comparing yourself to someone who is Australian but lives overseas, surely you would want the same rules to be applying to those people. But it's different when you've got a life overseas. It's different from someone who needs to leave for another reason beyond living over there. If they're going for for business or for recreation, it's Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be on a level playing field for someone who has to get back to their life, potentially a, a partner, kids at school. And we will make that as seamless as we can. But what we don't want is people coming in and out of the country multiple times. We just want that level playing field. So the process we have made as streamlined and as easy as possible, and it really is as straightforward as going online, filling out the exemption criteria. Couldn't you just stop those small number of people rather than punishing everyone who lives overseas that needs to come and then go back? We're actually not punishing everyone. We're just asking them to fill out the exemption certificates and apply for an exemption appropriately. And um, that should be reasonably straightforward. I'm not aware of anyone to date that has not had an exemption granted. So it will be a minority of people that will be affected. But if it is a deterrent for those people who are coming in and out of the country frequently, then I think that's a good outcome. So you say it will act as a deterrent and that once you come here, you have to apply for this permit to leave again. Do people have an idea of how many times will be considered too many? Is twice in a year the sort of thing that could get you rejected? Will there be a warning system? At what level do you think that people are coming and going too frequently? Now, we don't have a hard and fast rule as to how many is too many. I come from the perspective that I want our borders to open as soon as possible. And that's what my goal is. But I need to manage that whilst we're on our way to increasing vaccination rates and working with the states and territories to get the country open as much as we can. We need to get our borders opened as soon as we can. We want to go back to the freedoms that we had before to travel in and out of the country. And to be fair to all Australians, whether they live here or whether they live ordinarily overseas. Minister, I won't put words in your mouth, but my understanding is you're doing this to, I guess, make sure that those positions, those really limited 
positions in hotel quarantine and the flights coming in go to people who have been trying to get back for a long time now. And we know that list is above 30,000 people who are stranded overseas that are still hoping to get back here. Last September, the Prime Minister said he'd like to have them home by Christmas. We're almost a year down the track. There's still a lot of people waiting on that list. So what's your current estimates about trying to clear that backlog and get people home that don't want to visit and return to their home country, but that need to get home and are stuck over there? We all know that quarantine and the ability to access rooms in a a quarantine facility are limited. And of course, with the Delta outbreak, uh, the hotel quarantine numbers have been halved. Now, I'd like to see those go back up as soon as possible. But uh, we're also looking at um, some purpose-built facilities going ahead now. Mickleham in Victoria is certainly underway. Queensland is starting to kick off and then there'll be the Western Australias, which will free up some spaces for people to come in from overseas. You said before that people were pretty angry about people that were coming and going. I think what makes people even more angry is seeing people like Katie Hopkins allowed into the country to go on Big Brother. Why are we letting that happen? Because it sends a message that if you're willing to spend the money, if you've got the money, then you'll be allowed in. But if you're an Australian overseas who's stuck, too bad. In the instance of Katie Hopkins, and there have been others that have come into the country, they come in with the support of the relevant state or territory government, and it's on the basis of the economic impact, so the positive economic impact Mm. that um, those individuals can provide. Uh, Well, it's not just money, it's jobs for people in the community. So it's not just um, whether these are wealthy individuals, it's what they can generate for the economy. So that was the reason behind um, that individual coming in. I was quite happy to see her leave the country. Can I also say too, she's not here now. I've seen that reporting. She's not in Australia. (laughs) So if you come to this country, you need to abide by the rules, but that's an entirely different story. At a recent National Cabinet meeting, there was an agreement to trial home quarantine for vaccinated travellers, and that could be great for Aussies who are overseas and are vaccinated. When is that going to start? Well, I'm all for that as well too. So effectively that starts to kick in later in the four-phase plan that's been supported through National Cabinet. So we will potentially start to look at that when we're around about 80% vaccination rates. Um, that can't come soon enough. Because no. That, that in well, itself well, it could come re- at 70%, couldn't it? Why does that have to be 80 Well, um, I think that will be an ongoing negotiation at National Cabinet at the moment, given the seriousness of the Delta outbreaks here in Australia. I think there's probably a level of nervousness to look at home quarantine. I think it would be a great thing and I think we need to start progressing towards that because many Australians are now double vaccinated. They've had both their shots. And um, we've, um, we've, we've really got to start looking at, at how we can make it easy for people to return here. Well, that might be one of the premiers on the phone calling you now, trying to um, you know, have a conversation with you. Hopefully you can convince them to um, prioritise people overseas who are struggling to get home and to move forward with this plan for home quarantine. Thanks for your time, Karen Andrews. No worries. You take care. Well, that was Karen Andrews, the Home Affairs Minister, and Annika sounded like she actually answered some of our questions. Yeah, did <laughs> maybe wow. not as many as some people would like, but we did get a little bit of clarity there. Look, I think it's interesting though that she said she didn't want to build white elephants, which says to me that quarantine's going to be around for a while. The government's investing a lot of taxpayer money in these three facilities. As she said, they've started one in Melbourne, the other two in other states are still in the planning stages. So although we're looking 
significant, maybe getting a little bit more access to some countries, hopefully next year. The idea that we'll be able to just jump on a plane like before COVID and whip overseas as regularly as we did, I think is a very distant dream given how severely this situation is unfolding with the Delta variant and also how much money they're investing in long-term facilities, Tom. Yeah, I wondered if saying that, though, meant that she was worried we'd build them and then wouldn't use them. That's why she called them white elephants. That's not how you read it? Uh, I think they would only build it if they thought that it was going to be around for a little while. And, look, I think that issue with the premiers will come up. They don't want sick people in city hotels. They're worried about the leaks. And, admittedly, they they are small. We have seen leaks from hotel quarantine. Mostly it's been a really effective system. But the federal government isn't going to let them abolish the city hotels too. It's about getting up the numbers. We're only seeing 3,000 people come in a week. Mm. They want to get heaps more Australians Mm. in. So hopefully with these facilities and getting on top of the city hotel quarantine, we can get a lot more people in. But the idea we won't have to quarantine, I think, isn't going to happen. Yeah, and just to think that both sides of the Atlantic, Europe and the US... They're basically not doing any of this, but here we are in Australia debating the minutiae of all of this. Mm. Tomorrow on The Briefing, COVID in regional Australia. Listener.